0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, welcome, welcome. To, okay. <laughs> we need to keep all of this. We'll keep this. Okay. Welcome to Backstage Cinema, the best destination for all things movies, movie making, and more. I'm your host, Jaden.
1: I'm your other host, Ike.
0: And we've just been laughing a
1: lot recently. There's been a lot of laughs, a lot of side splitting. Yeah.
0: So from the title, you guys can figure out what we just watched. That's Lightyear. But it's not just the two of us. Like it, it never is. Every week, we always have someone on. Who do we have today, Ike? We have Buzz Lightyear himself. Yeah! Straight from the
1: movie theaters. Got back from seeing Lightyear. We went from To Infinity to your mom to Liam, <laughs> who is now our guest. Say hello, Liam. Hello. Very good, <laughs> Liam. <laughs> <Your> <laughs> first like, start. <laughs> it's his first words. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Here, you can have the whole mic now.
0: So, we'll just do, we'll just do a handful of questions for you. Get, everyone can get to know you. Go, go for it. Um... Because last week's topic is video games, and you play video games, what is your favorite video game? Destiny 2. Why?
2: Don't I, be the weird lore f- guy. No, no, no. For for the opposite reason um, that I have friends in real life, I make lots of friends on that game, actually. Nice. And and it's... Uh,
1: I feel like you're trying to flex on me right now, I'm, and uh, I'm feeling very uncomfortable, I'm pressured, <laughs> and
2: I don't like why <laughs> you're doing this to me. Stop, guys. It's it's <laughs> unintentional. It's a side effect. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Sorry, we're all drinking water and stuff. <laughs> we swear. Guys, so we got out of light here like an hour ago, but we're kind of just not all the way uh, here. No,
2: it's been longer than that.
0: Yeah, but I haven't been here in about an hour. <laughs> That's a fair <laughs> like, point. My mind is elsewhere. Anyway, though. So, yeah. Obvious other questions we could ask you about the Batman, but at this point, we're over it. I thought there were so many wars anyways. It's true. What exactly are you doing with your life when it comes to movies? Because you're kind of, sort of, possibly.
2: Lots of catch-up. I have, like, 40 movies on the list right now to watch, and I'm very, very slowly getting through them. And then, you know, theater releases, stuff like you guys watch. catch hmm. like, my second favorite condiment. Just side <sighs> So I, I, I don't do want to get into the ketchup debate right now. Oh, it's, you don't? Do I've, you? I've I've been in a lot of ketchup debates recently. Really? I, I, it's a very odd topic, but huh? Is um, it a sensitive topic that like touches close to home? M- not really, but L- let mustard me... we get into H- this. H- oh. <laughs> that
1: was bad. <laughs> that was so bad. I'm so sorry. Continue. Uh, m- m- <laughs> may, may you ask that question again? <laughs> or would you like to relish uh, uh, in your <laughs> in your misery
2: <laughs> i'm just going to my final thoughts and then you guys can, can bounce off of that so my final thoughts on ketchup is that it's like it's like an introductory condiment right like oh, like ketchup like is baby your, food like ketchup is your preschool right and then you get like middle school you get your mustard and your mayonnaise and your ranch And then you get high school and you get like the spicy stuff and like all the ingredients. Right. But you still eat ketchup. You don't forget the knowledge you had in kindergarten. Mm. You still use the two plus two. Do you eat
0: ketchup though? Not plainly.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No.
1: Okay. What's your go-to condiment for like chicken nuggets or French fries
2: or both? I mean, most things come with ketchup, so it's probably going to be ketchup. But if I could choose, it's going to be like honey mustard, Chick-fil-A sauce.
1: What if you don't have anything to dip in? You're just like, Man, I'm really craving a condiment. Okay, let me set this scene. It's three AM. You what? wake up and you're like, Man, I'm really craving a condiment right now. Like, what is the thing you you rummage through your fridge in a frantic, just crazed, hangry, just sense of like emotions? Like what what is that condiment you, you go to and you start guzzling just for no apparent reason other than the fact that you told yourself that you are hungry for condiments, even though you're probably drunk and sad. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow does yogurt count i guess man you do what you want
2: <sighs> i don't like that classification actually i retract my previous statement
0: ah uh, as who knows about all right guys so let me give some backstory on why this episode isn't going to go 100 percent okay <laughs> so uh over the next few weeks we'll have a lot more episodes than one per week and we only have two mics So I bought some splitters so we could have four mics, and well, guess what? I bought the wrong ones, so we're using three people and two mics. Ike, what are your thoughts?
1: My thoughts are, okay, we have two mics, but we also have a Michael that has come on the podcast a couple times. We have a couple extra plugs. We could hook up Michael to the computer, and we use him as like, we can be like a ventriloquist or something. We could stick. You know what, <laughs> Never. <I> will, <laughs> we'll end it there, but we have another mic, but anyways, in all seriousness, we are trying to switch to handhelds now, and I'm not used to it, just because I have to like pretty much make out with it, and so I'll have to get used to that, but... It is very kind of almost like freeing to kind of like always have something in your hands that you can kind of talk with. And you feel like a motivational speaker, you know, just holding it right yeah. there. You, sh- you feel very like sophisticated. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not it's a sophisticated bloke. like more bloke. expressive. Yeah. Because yeah, you're, yeah. you're
2: not restricted to just sitting.
0: Exactly.
1: But yeah, I'm, I'm happy that we're switching to these mics. That was a good choice. I was hesitant to uh, to try it out at first, but I'm glad we did. Well I'm actually making out that you guys are lucky.
2: You know, if you, if you do pl- find a way to plug Michael into the computer... To do the, you know, you could just have Mike stand up and like do a little dance and then have him sit down. Sit down. And then, and then that, would, that and then that dance would be for us, and, dance and then, for us,
0: Michael.
2: And then, and then that could be your mic check.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh boy. We got we're trying to keep this short and sweet, so let's just get into the main topic. So we went Salt light year. So we'll just go down the line real quick, just talk about hype levels. So episode two, as you remember, Ike and I did our top ten most anticipated movies. This mm-hmm. was number 3 for me. Where was it for you? 2. I think
1: it was originally 2 and then it moved to like 3 or 4 or mm-hmm. something like that because I forgot about the Nicolas Cage movie coming out. But out of all the movies that I've seen this year, which are and most of them are were in my top 10, I think Lightyear was my favorite movie experience itself in the theater.
0: But yeah. Yeah. Obviously I loved it. Unlike Jurassic World which I put in number 2, this delivered. It was Great. Liam, what obviously you weren't there for that episode, but where did this maybe rank in your anticipation this year? Um, somewhere in the top five.
2: There there's been a lot of movies this year that I like, and there's been a lot of movies there's been more movies this year that I've been anticipating, and unfortunately I don't think the majority of the anticipated movies have met the mark. But I would I think Light Years definitely did. You know, it was short and sweet and it did what it was supposed to, which is just a backstory. Yeah so to
0: speak. So I guess we'll get into our thoughts now before we get into anything though. Uh, we're going to actually just do full on spoilers. Uh, so watch, watch the movie um, three end credit scenes. Stay for those. You don't have to, it doesn't really add much, but I guess I'll start. Then one of you two can go next, but we'll keep it short. And then kind of wrapped it up with our uh, initial or all of our thoughts together as a collective uh, first and foremost, we missed out on like the first minute, but I think it's pretty obvious that basically just summed up, um, obviously Andy got a toy based off of a movie. We were getting to experience the movie that he saw back in the theaters before he got Buzz Lightyear.
1: And might I just say the effect, because this Toy Story was made in the 90s. Yeah. The 90s had some good CGI. If that's what Andy was watching. Well,
0: so technically this movie is supposed to be a live action this is supposed to be live action set in his universe, which is why the character models look like the humans in the Toy Story franchise, which is cool. Um, so, yeah, grew up loving Buzz Lightyear. We've already had this conversation or whatever, and I mentioned this in episode two. I'm going to mention it again. One of the things I really appreciated is um, I used to have a Buzz Lightyear action figure. It was Stealth Suit. He was Ooh. like navy blue and, and gray. So it was cool that we got to see Stealth Suit. Anyway, though. We're just gonna we're just gonna ramble at this point, but yeah, let me Rambles. just talk about what I liked. Characters I thought they were all fantastic. Buzz obviously had to be the standout, but I but I think the character I I liked the most, um, I forget his name. The cat socks socks. Yes, socks was such a funny animal character. I feel like every Disney movie has one, but I, I absolutely love socks. Um, um. So I'm looking. Read the top one. So I'm looking at everything else hey baby are you up <laughs> no <laughs> that's, that's not what that's she the said. wrong message that's, you're looking at the wrong message oh, oh. that's not what you said back, yes <laughs> i was just saying look at the top message that she in just sent in case you can't tell he's looking at Jaden's phone yeah he's looking at my phone anyway um chris evans i think did an incredible job chris evans is one of those actors that i've always always respected and admired and i and i like seeing him in this sort of environment because i can't remember him doing any animated stuff Rest of the cast was good. A few surprises. I didn't know Taika Waititi was in the movie, and I thought he did a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, Zerg is actually my all-time favorite villain in the Pixar movies, even though he doesn't really play much of a villain character. But I loved Zerg. The design of the suit was 10 out of 10, flawless. The the design of all the suits were absolutely flawless. Like I said, visually this looked insane. It looked realistic, mm-hmm. other than the character designs. But obviously that's just kind of how it is when it comes to Pixar. Story wise though, mm, I thought it was all right. It's it's very straightforward. It's it's really uh, is it the little the little train that can't or couldn't or something like that? Little train that couldn't. Yeah. I don't remember. It's. It's basically Buzz realizing, or at the beginning, I can do this, I got everything under control, and obviously due to a situation that he doesn't have control, that's how we get the whole story, how we get all the time jumping, because they're stranded on this planet. And he basically learns he can't do it alone, and by the end of the movie, guess what? He's not doing things alone. We get the Space Ranger crew. Yeah, obviously we can go into a little bit more after you guys have all shared, but I really enjoyed it. I think this was worth the wait especially for all the skepticism when we first heard about it and everyone's like ooh skepticism really? skepticism skepticism it's it's Something late a boys weird
1: disease it my is. Grandma's been diagnosed
0: with skepticism <laughs> again Yo, oh guys. no not again guys grandma. guess why I attracted the skeptics but uh yeah so it was worth the wait all the controversy and all the skepticism aside and skepticism I th- I, th- <laughs> I think it was worth it Chris Evans did a great job um Ike, what were your thoughts?
1: I like you mentioned earlier, had this high on my list of movies I was anticipating to see this year and this, like I said earlier, was my favorite movie experience this year because it made me feel like a child again. And in a lot of wor- in like in a lot of senses, like I am still like a child, I guess, in comparison to a lot of people. But I realized that like wow, I'm a twenty year old guy, but now I I feel like I'm eight years old again getting excited over Buzz Lightyear. And this movie just had so many just really cool elements. But I think the... And I could, like, talk all day about, like, the design of the suits, like you were saying, like, the music, like, all the callbacks to the old Toy Story movies uh, with the one-liners. But I think what I thought was most interesting was just the concept of Zerg. And I was slightly thrown off with Zerg not being his father but instead himself. But I think that's probably the really the coolest element of the movie is that they're kind of, the message that the message that they're showing is like, hey, like if you're not careful, like I mean at the end of the day, like you're your own worst enemy and you have you get to decide like I guess the paths that you take and the decisions that you make. And so at the end of the day we're all just battling ourselves. Which I thought was something that I hadn't really seen in any other Pixar movie. And like I just would really enjoy seeing like not to get political or anything, but I'd like to see someone like Jordan Peterson like break down just the concept of like having yourself as your worst enemy, but doing it through the lens of Buzz Lightyear instead of Pinocchio for like the thirty thousandth time that he's done it. <laughs> but anyways, that's my basic initial thoughts on the movie. What about what about you, Liam? Dear,
2: not in that title, huh? Right. <laughs> um, so balancing off of what you said about the 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 zerg being just future buzz and what jaden said about um the buzz's character development throughout the movie being like he can't do it on his own the the future buzz zerg was stuck in the i have to do it on my own right you have to fix everything by himself and then the the buzz that we follow is the he actually gets a lot of given that the movie was only about two hours long he actually gets a lot of character development in some very well-placed and crucial scenes um Right after they leave the mining facility, and Izzy messes up, um, and then Buzz gets taken. That that scene right there, <clears throat> it was huge. That Buzz comes to the realization that if he continues to do things on his own, he's going to end up as this grumpy old man that wants to fix everything, but not always for the better. Um, mm. And then also Izzy's um, character development as trying to live up to be her her grandma, and then realizing that she doesn't have to be anybody but herself to get mm-hmm. to, to do what she needs to do right uh, the rest of the cast was pretty good um, I, I did really like I forget what their names were I think one of them was Steel but the the two side characters one played by Taika Waititi um, it's kind of like the comedic duo you you expect a lot of the jokes to come from the main characters obviously Socks is most of the comedy just from the sound effects and the visuals but the that dynamic duo with the the two side characters every time you see them on screen it doesn't feel like it's wasted opportunity like you, you, you see good scenes from them, even though they're not forefront characters. Um, and I could go on about the characters, but I'll refrain from that for now. Um, I'm huge into visuals. I love the visuals in this movie. Every time, <laughs> it's fun. Jade and I. Every time a shot comes on in a movie, we always
0: like remember Dune experience. Dude, mm.
2: <laughs> it's yeah, it's Little fantastic. Girl's
0: man. That's how we were.
2: Yeah, um, but the 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 visuals. The animation, I, I did a couple of animation courses uh, recently, and seeing how smooth and flawless the animation, especially ba- uh, compared to previous Pixar projects, especially the, old, the, like the first Toy Story, um, seeing the difference in like animation quality, texture quality, model quality, it's all so much better. And it, it's really cool that they're still respecting the source material as far as the basic designs go, but they're just upgrading everything. And then mm-hmm. to nerd out for a little bit, um, the mechanics of the ships, the suits, the everything. I don't know if either guys played it, but um, the game Titanfall Two has uh, mechs called Titans, and they have power cores. And as soon as Buzz first puts the power core with the crystal into the ship, that's exactly what I thought of. Him. Like it's the exact exact same mechanics, yeah. exact same look and feel as like a real mechanical like ship. And they really, it's it's hard sometimes to get the feel of realism from animation, yeah. But they they do it so well, It's like sound design, uh, particle effects. It's it's perfect, it really. Yeah.
0: Is. I I think going kind of going back to what you said about Zerg, one of the coolest things. Um, I really liked Buzz's mentality of he comes back. All right, I'm gonna wake up the next morning, go out, and do it again. And I don't think he realizes until, was it Hawthorne? Is that her name? Yes. Was gone, like, oh shoot. Like, reality finally sunk in there. And throughout the whole movie, you, you, he's really he's trying to get the crystal. He, he wants to find a way out. But it isn't until he meets Zerg who's going back in time to make things the way that they were. Which is not what Buzz was doing at all throughout the entire movie but where he realizes that he's been missing out on the life that everybody had. Oh, yeah. Um, And I'm not saying that the movie is trying to, the message is just be content where you are, because obviously that's something I think everyone needs to work on. But in the end, when Buzz is offered the position of um, kind of basically running um, the Space Rangers the way that Maverick would have led Top Gun, but him kind of accepting that He's found his family. He's found his purpose. And I really liked at the end, and I know this is cliche as hell, but um, when the lieutenant or the colonel or whatever is like, we want you to be in charge, we'll give you the team of the best of the best, and him realizing, well, I actually already have my team. Bunch of misfits, but they all work together in the end. And uh, Spoiler alert, there's going to be a sequel. Zerg doesn't actually die, but I'm kind of excited to see what they can do next, but I also think that the movie wraps itself up enough to, it doesn't necessarily need a sequel, gave me hella um, Star Trek vibes, especially the ending when they're getting in the ship and the monologue about, we're the Space Rangers and our duty is to protect or whatever, something like that, so right. I don't know. Liam basically stole everything I was going to see visually yeah, and the, the motion of oh, all the God. animation and it's all that, but this is a gorgeous movie. In um, the Shocker, big shocker, especially coming from Disney. The planet was not made of sand. Oh my God! What? Oh my gosh! It was it was rocks instead. It was it was rocks and vines. true, but it had color to it.
1: There were colorful
0: um, rocks. Yeah. Oh, and I'll say this before Ike gets onto his point. One of the things I loved is they they had fan service moments. A lot of the to infinity and beyond, or as simple as, um, I loved the scene where what's this button do? What's this button do? And like, Mm -hmm. you know, the actual toy just all talks, but we actually got info on what each and every button. Obviously there's four here, but even what the, the little pop-up arm gauntlet thing does and all that. And I especially love towards the end when he finally accepts that, um, he's not going to be able to make it in the ship and he ejects, and the back of the chair actually has the wings, and he does the famous pose where he's flying like he is with him and Woody in the original Toy Story. That was awesome. And he says, Not today, Zerg. Oh, yeah, that was great.
1: That was probably my favorite scene in the whole movie. Because,
0: like, the whole
1: time you're kind of like waiting, like, Oh, where's the wings? Where's his wings? And then you mm-hmm. pop him out that last second, and then,
0: Oh, that scene. So good. Yeah. It was also really cool, too, that. And again, it's weird because the toys are based off of this movie, but the movie's technically based off of the toys. I love that Zerg's blaster actually spun mm. like the actual um, the three yeah. actual barrels like spun around when he would shoot. I thought that was great. Uh, Yeah. I don't really have many complaints, which is weird. I feel like I typically have some complaints after these movies. And there's going to be nitpicks here and there. But from the get-go, I really established this movie, especially in like the first five minutes. There's a lot of Cuts. There's a lot of Buzz explaining how this movie is going to go, but I really like that, and I felt it was concise, simple, to the points, and it was pretty straightforward from the get go. What also was really nice, and I think
1: some of the people who are involved with the Batman should have taken notes, but you can't tell how this movie is going to go based off of the trailers. Amen. Because it just it looks like oh wow okay we're getting a story about Buzz, but you have no idea what that story is going to be. Obviously it's going to involve Zerg, and obviously there are other people. To wear this Buzz Lightyear suit as well but you actually like you get a story out of it without having that story
0: spoiled for you in in the previews so that's always something I'm very excited yeah. to see Liam and I well he can speak on this too we were having this conversation this is actually a good segue um I don't really know if we really want to say much more about the movie other than that I I'd give it an eight out of ten again I grew up with these films. It's nostalgia. I don't care what people say. This movie's going to hit you in the feels no matter who you are. Great movie. Um, But Liam and I were having a conversation on the way over about just trailers, and you brought it up with the Batman. I was telling him one of the benefits of seeing it was I only saw the teaser. You saw them all. You felt like you got it spoiled. Uh, I have only seen the teaser for this, so I'll go back and watch all the trailers. But there's a certain movie coming out in a month called Nope. (laughs) Nope. kind of ruined the whole movie or whatever so i guess we can kind of talk about that briefly what are our thoughts on just trailers in general as we get older and we see more movies yeah the the biggest issue that i'm seeing with trailers
2: nowadays especially the ones they they release on social media um they they're showing too much and it's in sequential order with how the movie goes Mm -hmm. so they always show Like, first scenes at the beginning of the trailer and then end scenes at the end of the trailer. Or even just the money shot sometimes. You can tell it's at, like, the end of the third act or something. Right. That's a prime example is the Batman when he's walking through the water. That was in the trailer. And that's, like, that's literally the end of the movie.
1: And the bombs blowing up. Literally. Yeah. And then taking off the rug and seeing the the plans. Yeah. Like,
2: (sighs) anybody that pauses the trailer is going to decipher the whole movie. Mm -hmm. And it, it was really disappointing. My brother and I went to see Jurassic World. On Friday night, and they they showed the trailer, the second trailer for the Nope movie. And afterwards, my brother leans over to me and he goes, "That they showed us the whole movie. We know we know the entire plot." And the biggest gripe that I have, especially with horror movies, is they show the monster in the trailer. I don't think that's a good idea because mm-hmm. you you either know what to expect or it's breaking your immersion in the story. For it happens actually in the movie for for a quiet place. A lot of people obviously love the quiet place movie movies. But they they, they show I don't want to say they show the monster too early, but they show too much of the monster too early. When when his yeah. son dies at the very beginning, they show the monster tackle him and then for the rest of the movie you know exactly what's going to happen whenever a monster shows up to kill somebody, right? There that you've lost that suspense. Like you know the monster's coming and you know exactly what it's going to do when it gets there. So for the Nope movie, you you, you've seen the monster you've seen the enemy you know what it's going to do you know what it's going to be so i don't know right
1: and i think that's kind of just an inherent issue with i guess our society as a whole is because we become so predisposed to just having instant gratification and if we don't have enough to satisfy us we're not going to become engaged or interact with it at all and so i feel like with trailers nowadays i feel like people who are pushing out the trailers realize okay people are only going or they're going to be more interested if they see this this bigger and this better thing and if they get it if they get it sooner in the movie then they'll be happier but we've really just lost the art and the beauty of patience and i guess just because of how predisposed we are like with with convenience as a whole like whether it's our with our with our phones or whether it's with our with fast food it's because like everything nowadays just seems to come to us like so quickly and like the bigger and flashier and quicker it is the the more people will be drawn to it initially but you immediately lose that right after it happens like you're no longer satisfied whereas when you work towards something when you are taught like patiently and look, you're given enough to still like be interested in something like I'm trying to think of a good movie trailer that kind of I guess follows that maybe you could go with Lightyear, i guess like for for instance like you're given enough of a story in the trailer to become interested in the movie even though you don't really know what the story is going to be it gets you into the theater because it's a character that we know but we want to see more of whereas like with something like the batman or like with nope like people think that like the more we show the more people are going to want to watch it but rather it can have the opposite effect in that people have already seen the movie if you already show all of its best moments. But that's just my thoughts. Jaden, what about you?
0: Like the Tame Paula song says, the less you know, the better. Um, this, I think this is a good conversation that we haven't actually had yet. What I want to call this is the endgame effect. Going into endgame, we knew nothing. We wanted to know everything. So our expectations were not met. They were surpassed. Since endgame... Or Endgame. We need to know everything. There's so many leaks. There's so many rumors. So much speculation. A movie that came out in December that we all saw together. Um, No Way Home. As great as some of the scenes were, it didn't have the impact it should have. Because we knew that Andrew would be in it. We knew that Toby would be in it. Because people need to know everything. Like you said, Lightyear, I think, did a great job at hiding the fan service. The suspense. Um... Another film, again, I know I bring this up every week, but Sonic 2 did the same thing. But what I want to, this is what I want to kind of maybe wrap this up on, but uh, something that has done a good job that hasn't been received so well is Kenobi had released three trailers. All three trailers only showed footage from the first two episodes, excluding the Vader suit-up scene that was also at the end. But last week, episode 4 came out, and people kind of lost it because there were no cameos, and it was just a, a relatively simple episode. Ike hasn't seen it, so I won't spoil it. Episode 5 gave us everything that we wanted and more. And people are now back on the, the hype train of this is peak, this is go-to, this is what it is. Like I just mentioned, we have this... We want this instant gratification. We want to see these cameos. We want to have these big, oh my god, moments. Because that's what everybody wants to live for at this point. Um, Yeah. That... <laughs> That's another topic for another time, but if we ever do an episode on why we think that Marvel is dying, that for me is the big issue. The big point is we want the hype. We want the satisfaction of seeing these cameos and these big deal characters, and we saw it together. I don't know what your thoughts were. You can say this in a second, but like when Reed Richards came on the scene or on the screen, we were all like, oh, and then after we talked, we were like, oh, like it's it's a Disney problem more than anyone else currently, but it's. Everyone wants that big, oh, my God, moment. And it's just how it goes. So what do you
1: guys think maybe the cure for that is? Is it getting rid of trailers entirely? Is it changing, the like, how much you show in trailers? Or is it, could you do something like they did with Joker, kind of, and they kind of just, they throw you off entirely? Where, like, I thought I was going into Joker seeing, like, super, like, really nice like symphonies like an orchestral cuz that's like what they showed in the movie or in the trailers or it seemed really kind of I mean it still seemed dark but it seemed more flashy in the trailers whereas when you actually go into the movie and you watch it you hear like the really slow cello and it's really dark and it's very slow it makes you like I felt sick walking out of the movie but like it was a good kind of like wow like I kind of like I walked out like feeling impacted from the movie because I was completely thrown off by how the trailer was presented versus how the movie was presented. But anyways, back to my original question, like, how would you guys or what would you guys recommend to the to the movie makers out there? Like, hey, here's how we fix the trailer
2: issue. So I, I don't want to say um, that it's a movie problem, but a movie that did it really, really well. So for, first, let me say this. What I would say is the fix for the for the trailer problem is, um, number one rule should be don't show anything from the third act unless it's an extremely man. crucial as like a money shot or like your main selling point for the audience. Which the third act should be, but it also you should be able to sell your movie without having to show somebody the third, part of the third act. Um, but a, a movie that I think did this really well, even though it did break that rule, is The Northman, because oh, yeah. with The Northman trailer. At least the one that I saw the most, um, you can't tell what the story's really going to be, right? You you get the um, the revenge story of the the son after his uncle kills kills his father and takes the town, but you don't the the scenes that are shown in the movie they don't they're not different enough to um to give you a good understanding of what the movie's storyline yeah. or progression is going to be like you, you see um the scene on the volcano in the third act when they, when they fight with the swords um but it's it's one shot and it doesn't spoil anything because it's silhouettes you can't tell what's going on mm-hmm. but then when you when you go see it and you get to that third act and you realize all, all of this story has come up to this one moment then you realize yes i saw this in the trailer but we didn't have any information on it right
1: yeah so do you feel like it's, it's mainly due to context?
2: Mostly, yes. Because if the trailer shows you too much, uh, especially in order, like I said earlier, the sequential problem, then you, you can predict it a lot easier.
0: And mm-hmm. I think predicting a movie
2: is something that you shouldn't really be able to do most of the time. Yeah,
0: I think to piggyback on that, and this is where I'll get into the fandom problem. Doctor Strange had a lot of reshoots in February and shocker, the reshoots were to add the cameos because there was all this speculation online that we'd be getting all these crazy cameos. I think that companies and directors should be able to trust their vision without having to put fan-pleasing moments. Now, they should be in there. I'm not trying to hold anyone against that. It's great when we get these scenes where everyone goes crazy, but you shouldn't have to add them in just to get more people in the seats. Liam and I, again, we saw The Northman. We loved it. The most manly movie I've ever seen. The movie Mm -hmm. bombed at the box office. That doesn't change the fact that I think it's one of the best movies I've seen all year. Like, sure, it may suck for them, but, you know, the director got to tell the story that he wanted to tell. The studio trusted him, gave him the money to tell the story he wanted to tell. Did it make the money it needed to to maybe get not a sequel, obviously, but like to get. Other movies with that budget? No. But at the same time, it's a you live and you learn moment. And I truly expect over time this to become, you know, one of those fan favorites that people will discover along the way. But here's the biggest problem. And I think it comes to us as the fans. Going back to last week, a lot of people were getting backlash online for, well, I really wanted all these flashbacks in Kenobi. I wanted to see Anakin Mm. and all this. We as fans put these expectations on shows and movies, and when it doesn't meet it, we get disappointed. Even though the original vision had nothing to do with what we wanted. Now, if you've seen episode 5, then you may know some stuff happens. But I think that we're so focused on knowing every single detail before the thing comes out that when it doesn't go the way we want, we just automatically think the thing sucks or that it's not as good as it could have been. When directors aren't making movies that we want them well they are but you know they're not taking every idea. Rise of Skywalker was a movie that took everybody's idea and just felt like a hot mess because it did everything that we wanted it to do but it wasn't coherent, wasn't consistent type of thing. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a it's a you live and you learn with both the directors, the studios need to learn how to do correct fan service? Not put everything to make us pleased, and us as fans lowering our expectations almost on everything entirely, because, again, after End Game, all of our expectations were sky high for everything, and we then get disappointed in movies and shows that don't go the way we wanted. When realistically, sometimes our expectations are a bit too much. Mm-hmm.
2: When you when fans set their expectations like that, that when they when they predict something that it doesn't end up happening. They see it as a a studio problem, like a, a problem mm-hmm. that happens, or, or like it's the it's the pr- production qualities uh, lacking because it doesn't meet their expectations. Right when their expectations are either completely absurd or just not in the direction that the the director wanted to go in. You know, it's yeah. it's not it's not a problem with the director if the movie doesn't meet your standards. You mm-hmm. you just need to. I don't want to like berate the fans and say lower your expectations because you need mm-hmm. to, but at the same time. <laughs> It, not every movie is going to be end game, you know? So just manage your expectations. You know?
1: Oh, definitely. This then begs the question, though. Now, it is very clear that we, I guess, we could all agree that like we are very privileged, spoiled people in that sense, just because we, we have the honor to live in America, per se, and, like, it's the land of freedom and opportunity, and we have everything, like, at our doorstep. We're very, everything's very convenient for us. But thinking about film as an art form, you don't go to a art gala and you look at a piece uh, painted by Monet and say, well, this is what Monet, Monet was like, or maybe back in the day, people weren't like, they weren't going and seeing his works and like, I was expecting so much more out of Monet. It's like, no, it's this is him just showing you what his mind, what his vision is like on a canvas he wasn't doing it necessarily for anybody. Like, he, he, he would have appreciated that people appreciate it. But at the end of the day, this was his artwork that he did because he enjoyed it. Similarly, with music, a lot of people, whether they were dedicating it to a religion or they were dedicating it to a king or a queen back in the day, um, it was mostly for their own, I guess, personal enjoyment. This was their way of expressing art. This is their way of expressing what they enjoy. But with movies, do you guys feel like m- movies are entirely just to please and entertain fans? Because at the end of the day, and I had a long discussion with this uh, with a friend a while ago about like what I guess the purpose of a movie is. And at the end of the day, you could probably boil it down to just like hitting like the cornerstone of like it must entertain people. But um, to make it more succinct, I suppose are movies just to entertain people or is it more focused towards just the, the artist making his own art and whether people enjoy it or not, it doesn't matter as long as the artist makes his own art and he is satisfied with it. Is it considered
2: a success? So I want to jump back on your topic of like actual paintings and stuff like that. Um, when, when Michelangelo was told to paint the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, he was given very, I don't want to say loose guidelines, but he obviously took some creative freedom, to, to say yeah. the least. And it's one of the most renowned works of art today, like obviously. So, uh, but to, to answer your, your current topic, I would say that the main purpose of a movie would be to tell a story, because mm-hmm. originally movies were... I don't want to say originally, but I think the main purpose of a movie is that it's a visual book almost. And when you read a book, you don't really have expectations because you're you're reading a story that was created by a completely different person that has a yeah. completely different mind than you. So when you're watching a movie, and I think the main problem, well, not problem, but I think the movies that suffer from it the most are franchise movies, such as, such as Star Wars and Marvel, because they get so many they get this huge group of fans and they have all these expectations because they're trying to go off the source material, especially with Marvel because of the comics. But with standalone movies like The Northman or I guess The Batman as well, since it's not constrained to a specific universe, um, the fans set these expectations for, for these franchise movies and when they don't meet them, they feel robbed. But then with these, these standalone movies, they they tell a better story because there's less expectations and less demand, but then that means that they're not doing as well in the box office. The Northman, obviously, prime mm. example, told a fantastic story, but nobody knows about it.
0: Yeah, so to answer your question, and this is just me maturing, I guess, movies. I would I would agree with the first thing you said that movies are made for the fans. But slowly but surely, I've, I've realized over the past few years that movies are, are, yes, it's tricky. I guess they're for the fans, but I go into a movie wanting to see what the screenwriters and the directors are going to tell. Because a lot of people, you know, you get a big time director and people are like, well, you know, somebody else writ- written the script. Yes, that's true. But directors add just as much to these stories. So I guess Dune is a prime example, but um, Dennis Villeneuve—I always butcher his name a little bit—hands down my Denny. Dennis, <laughs> hands down my favorite director. And the first thing I, when I noticed this, is when I, well, Christopher Nolan's up there too. I, I guess I'll use Interstellar, and uh, Blade Runner twenty four nine is the prime examples. When I, when I watch both of those films, first off, they blew me away, both of them. But the thing that I liked most is okay, I can tell that this is Nolan telling his vision. Or, okay, I can see that this is Dennis's vision or whatever. Same with Dune, again, directed by Dennis. Yes, he didn't write it, but I love going into movies seeing the vision behind it, which is why uh, Oppenheimer, I think, is going to be one of the best movies next year. It's why I go into movies nowadays. Like, when we saw The Northman, I know you haven't seen The Lighthouse, or maybe you have at this point, but you had not seen The Lighthouse or The Witch, but... I go into movies now excited to see what the directors do. It's why one of the main reasons I was excited for Kenobi is because I wanted to see what Deborah Chow did because I love her work. So for me currently, the way that I view movies is I want to see what the directors and with the, what with the script writers, even with the um, animation team, uh, even with the uh, composers, to see what their vision is of the story. Except with Marvel movies because, you know, no matter what director they get, it just feels the same.
1: Mm-hmm. So to answer my own question, <laughs> yeah. I would say I would try to I always try to put it in terms of of three. So you've got your vision, you got creation and you got your product. That's all. Those are the three key components to any film. A lot of people, when they watch a movie, they're only focused on the product itself. Because that is what they get the most value out of. Because that's the entertaining part to them. But filmmaking is so much more than that. Because you're talking about, like like I was saying earlier, with like a painter. They have the vision. They have an idea that they want to express. Whether or not other people enjoy that or not isn't dependent on how or well, how do I orized uh, in the wise type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, so like they're still going to make that product whether they think other people are going to like it or not. they they still want to make that vision mm-hmm. happen. Obviously, the more people who like it is the better, obviously, but when it comes to film, you have these directors or you have these production companies or animators or like no matter where you are in the spectrum of filmmaking, like you have this task, you have this vision in mind and the actual entertainment for them is the actual the process of making what they wanted to make itself and mm-hmm. so when i make movies with my friends like it's obviously like it's really fun like what <laughs> we were talking about the Weedman project earlier we had a, pr- a premiere and about maybe like 40 something people showed up to watch it and it was very like rewarding to see people enjoy it even though yeah. like i wasn't like the front runner or anything like it was, like, I'm just very privileged to have been a part of it, but it is just, it's it's very rewarding to see other people enjoy your work, but it was so much more enjoyable for me being one of the creators of a project, mm-hmm. like, actually making that product itself, and so movies, I feel like, aren't successful just based on, like, oh, a majority of people make, like, find enjoyment in it. Yeah. Obviously, that's that's a big goal, and that's how they make money, and that's what, And making money is what helps allow you to continue making your vision. But at the end of the day, the actual making of the film and the production of the vision itself is what I find the most value
0: in. Mm -hmm. I guess to wrap it up, I'll I'll finish this and we can all, I guess, give our closing remarks or whatever. We've had a lot of discussion on the Batman and I, I know I gave it a 10 out of 10 or whatever, but. I want to say, I've said before it's not a perfect movie, but one of the reasons I consider this a 10 out of 10 movie um, is just watching all the the behind-the-scenes things. Regardless of how good or how bad a movie is, look, Morbius jokes have been made forever. Look, jokes aside, Morbius is not a good movie. It's the greatest movie of all time. But um, regardless of how bad or poorly made or how garbage a movie is, (laughs) it's time, boys and girls um there's people behind it who have a vision who have a you know an idea so i don't know i i just going back to what you said about the i think for me the vision matters and it has to be rewarding to have for these actors these directors anybody to have people on the street come up to them You know, regardless of how critically acclaimed and Oscars or whatever, to appreciate what it is, it's also probably really cool for someone to even just watch a movie and look in the credits and be like, hey, there's my name. I did this one specific shot or whatever. So, yes, movies are made for fans, but at the end of the day, I think the vision, the creativity, and the outcome matter the most, as well as everybody working on it. I feel like. To me, that's that's the coolest thing. But that's those are just my final thoughts, or whatever.
2: To close on the actual topic of this, what this episode is supposed to be about, which is Lightyear, yeah. um, I I think that the the work that went into Lightyear really reflected in the, mm-hmm. with what the final product ended up being. I feel like whoever wrote the story got what they wanted out of it. I feel mm-hmm. like whoever was working on the animation and the the modeling. Would be happy with their work. I I feel like a lot of modern movies now they throw so much money at it that it loses its authenticity. I guess. Yeah. And it's nice to see a movie where you can tell that there was, you know, um, care. Yeah. Care and and time and effort and love put into this film, and I think it it was really reflected in the like. audiences our age and older that grew up on the toy story films because that's the source material you know when buzz first showed up in toy story we all obviously wanted to know like what star command was what his actual fictional background was and now we're finally getting to see it we can understand the deeper meanings behind all these stories it feels like it's it's a much more rewarding experience and i feel like the the filmmakers also feel like that
0: yeah uh Final thing, I guess. Uh, I-, I love it. I think Liam loves it. Ike, would you say you it? Oh, I love it? it. Yeah. Um. I just want to... Last thing I'll say, I can finish off, and then we'll actually wrap it up with our... See you later, guys. But um, hmm. the two movies that really... <sighs> Lightyear didn't blow my mind, but the one that really blew my mind this year was Top Gun Maverick, because so much care went into this and Lightyear. Like, you just feel the love... These people had for these characters, these stories that like Lightyear is the easiest cra- cash grab of all time. You've made four Toy Story movies. It's so easy to just slap on Lightyear, one of the two most popular characters, maybe in the history of Pixar, him and Woody. This is such an easy cash grab. You don't you can you don't even have to do much with the story. You just throw Lightyear in a movie and say, there you go. That's your final product. But there's so much care that went into this and they actually stuck to a lot of uh, canonical things that are even set up just for the toy itself like this is a special movie again i can't say enough good things i just encourage you all to go watch it to check yes, it out because do. it was a great time so that's what i got to add so yeah
1: lightyear i feel like is the perfect example of like okay it's not like it's not like a mind blowing movie mm-hmm. but it accomplishes the goal that i think all movies and all movie makers should strive for, which is making your audience love watching your movie just as much as you loved making it. And I think Top Gun Maverick, like you said, did that. I think um, The Batman mostly did that. Yeah. And I think Lightyear did that as well. You can see just how much they love the movie, and you love just how much they love the movie without even recognizing it, Mm -hmm. just because they're just as big of fans as the character is that you are. Yeah.
0: And ultimately, that's what it comes down to. You got to have people who are fans who love the work that they're putting in. So,
2: I mean, imagine how many you know, ten-year-olds that watched the original Toy Story movies, and now they're interns at Pixar working on this it's film. True, like, yeah. how how ecstatic would you be to get hired at Pixar and learn that you're working on the yeah. next Toy Story film?
0: I think the benefit too is kids that, yeah, I guess grew up with the toys. Like little kids nowadays, they'll watch this and want to know what their parents watch. The same way that. We are at the sweet spot where we grew up with the Toy Story movie, so we're kind of seeing the end of the childhood. Um, I, right. It's just good for everyone. Grandparents are going to love it. Kids love it. Adults are going to love it. People that are our age that are adults, I guess, but like, you know, yeah. this is a movie for everyone. Everyone will find some enjoyment out of it, so.
1: Oh, yeah. And this is going to be my final question, but we talked a lot of good things about it, but is there anything... That you would have liked to have seen in the movie, because I think we probably all have a similar thought. But
2: <laughs> I think we're all going to say Woody, yeah, <laughs> in, in the end credits, yeah, um, yeah. It felt a little disappointing to see Laser Shield. We knew the robot was coming, um, yeah, and then the. I feel like it was almost unnecessary for for Zerg to show up in the end credits because th- this seems like it could just be a one off movie. We don't need a sequel for this. It's a, it's a. The premise is that it's a movie that Andy saw and then wanted to buy the toy from it. You know, he he just wanted some merch from his favorite movie.
0: The only reason I think that really worked is because, in remember, in I think it's Toy Story 2, Buzz realizes that, or is it Toy Story 2 where he goes to the toy store and yeah. notices there's a lot more of him and there's all these updated versions of Buzz and there's all these new gadgets? Mm-hmm. Realistically, it's because there had to have been a sequel in this. Again, we don't need a sequel, um, but Zerg is like the villain, so... Yeah, I do agree with the Woody thing though. I think that's what we're all going to say. Is it would been really nice to see an end credit scene for maybe a Woody thing? Here's what: I'd, if they did a Woody film, I'd love to see it in black and white because remember, by the time Ooh. he has them, Woody technically was a toy that his parents had, a which black is and why white
1: Pixar movie. Yeah,
0: in the second movie, when we see Jesse and the whole rest of the gang, they're all in these vintage boxes with a vintage do, cartoon. Or, do
2: they? They show some footage from what would have been the Woody yeah. TV show in in Toy Story two. Is it yep. in black and white? Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. Because it was from like, I know, the I, 40s I, know I said like this in a th- in the theater, but just imagine like a black and white classic western, but with animated characters. That'd be perfect.
1: They could call it Woody's Roundup. Yeah, exactly. Just straight up, just be Woody's Roundup. And like, I asked you in the theater, like, wait, who would the villain be? It'd be, it'd be like, Stinky Pete. Stinky Pete. Stinky Pete was is, like, such a great villain. With a in... pickaxe, I want them, I want to see them make like a really gruesome, like Pixar. Like they DreamWorks yeah. has done it with yeah. like. With Gladiator, but, like, yeah, Logan-style, where, like, you have Stinky Pete just, like, taking a pickaxe and just being, like, every time Woody doesn't come to the saloon, I'm going to kill this animal, and he just, like, gets his pickaxe. Like, <laughs> so, absolutely annihilates their skull. Or not. You or know what they could do? a wholesome movie like Lightyear. I'm fine, other way. What,
2: what they could do, actually, so Stinky Pete's demise, quote, quote, demise, in uh, in Toy Story 2, is that he, he gets sent away with, uh, with the Barbie dolls, right? True, yeah. So... If they did a Woody movie, they could literally just have his demise, quote unquote, be just he just gets stuck with some
0: hose. <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah, something like that. But yeah, I think that really just wraps up all of our thoughts. I feel like we're slowly falling asleep We started out really funny, but we got a I'm little bit more guessed. serious. Yeah, but I guess with all that, with all, <laughs> with everything that we said being Pete over here. said at this point, yeah, I think we'll just wrap it up now. So. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Again, check this movie out. Um, Please do. This should be out on Saturday. So it would have been about a, two days now that it's been out. Go check it out. Like I literally just said, we all loved it. We all can't say good things enough about it. But um, with that, I'm Jaden. I'm Mike. And what were your final thoughts? Are, do you, do you have what was air? your name? <laughs> yes, what, what is your name?
2: You'll never know. You have to rewatch the episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully we'll see this on YouTube soon. But guys... We'll see you guys next week. Take care. Peace. Oh, wait a second.
1: Hold up. Oh, wait. To infinity. And, and beyond. your mom. Or beyond. your mom. Yeah. That's All right. right.
0: Take care, guys.